Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Ah, got a head cold. Um, mm-hmm. But I got my car working. It was one of the cars went, <clears throat> one of our two cars went dead in the um, 5,000 below weather. And um, But I was able to recharge it with this nifty device. And it seems to be back for now, at least. And the Oilers beat the Leafs. The Oilers beat the Leafs. It's always great because there's that fan, that building full of Leafs fans. Uh, well, full of Leafs fans, but there's always a good sort of unhealthy <laughs> share of them there, like 20 or 25 percent. Yeah. They really got the the uh, conflicting chants going eh, a couple times. I give them credit for good timing because the Oilers mm-hmm. would like, let's go, Oilers, and then they'd those leaf fans all right bruce how are you doing well i'm pretty happy i always beat the leaves i mean what's not to like coming back again david two nothing down this time fourth game in a row that they gave in the first goal in this game they gave in the first two goals still found a way to win all of those games without filling the net in any of them but the thing is they limited the damage again does it feel bruce like did you like as I was watching this game? I never gave up hope mm-hmm. because the orders just seem to have this ability right now to superpower, superpower to stay in games and yeah. keep coming back in them, keep coming back, keep coming back. And they did it again. Bruce, this is our two good things, two bad things, two numbers, and one conundrum podcast. One conundrum was it Colonel Mustard in the conservatory? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> with the lead pipe, you think? All right. I've, I've always tried to visualize those lead pipe <laughs> assassinations, and they always turn grisly. That would be kind of a grisly. <laughs> I can't even remember any of the other weapons, honestly. Uh-huh. There was a rope. There was a knife. There was. Let me think. There's. I remember Miss Peacock and uh-huh. uh, Miss Scarlet. Uh huh. Uh, right, right, right. Yeah, they all Mr. Green, Professor, Mr. Green? Professor Plum. Professor I used to choose Plum. Professor Plum when I had the choice. And uh, yeah, Mr. Green, Mr. Mrs. White. There's, they're all colors, of course. All right. Yeah, maybe that's where Ter- Quentin Tarantino got the idea in that movie. Um, Bruce. <laughs> all right. Back on track. Two good things each. What is your first good thing? Well, I'm going to go with the game's first star, Ryan McLeod, who has been on a royal heater now for a while. Uh, He missed Saturday night's uh, game at Montreal with some kind of illness. And tonight he he was reassigned to the 3C role. This after playing on the second line with uh, Drysaddle and Fogel for the previous nine or so games um, before he went out in Montreal. And so tonight they bumped Kane up to, uh, or left Kane up with Dreisaitl and Vogel, and, and McLeod wound up on the third line. And I thought he was relatively, uh, you know, not that noticeable for the first part of the game. But, you know, he had just terrific uh, shot shares in this game. Um, 16 to 8 for shot attempts, 7 to 3 for shots on goal when he was on the ice. 
and that was in a depth role. But it was especially in the third period we came up huge with the with the primary assist on the tying goal with a beautiful centering pass to uh, Derek Ryan, who pounded it home from center slot <clears throat> to make it two two a huge goal from the bottom six of the type the Oilers haven't been getting much of even during the winning streak. It's a lot of the scoring has been coming from up the lineup. Uh, but they delivered a, a big play there, and McLeod's role in it. And, you know, he was uh, uh, he was the guy who carried the puck all the way up the ice, entered the zone, passed it off, and then got the puck back, took it around behind the net, and slipped a perfect pass right onto the tape of Ryan to just wrap into the net from about 15 feet front and center. Uh, and then uh, much later than that, of course, in the last just over three minutes left where he uh, delivered the game winning goal <coughs> on a play from uh, uh, where he showed, I thought a goal scorer's patience. And this is something I've been almost begging Ryan McLeod to develop over his time. It's just, you know, when you, when you have a chance around the net, don't panic and just flub it into the guy's pads make a play and he he actually held it as he came out from behind the the goal line and he had McDavid uh, right in the front of the net and the, the original shot was tipped by McDavid in the slot and McLeod picked it up behind the net and he just rotated out the side and he waited for that screen to develop and as he improved his angle slightly all of a sudden the TV angle was perfect you could see this top corner of the net open up and Jones he couldn't even see Jones because McDavid was in his way and you can just see, if he can shoot it right there, it's going to be a goal. And hey, presto, he puts it right there, top shelf. Boom, great shot. And uh, just labeled it right in the top corner. Boom, game winner. And uh, good on you, Ryan McLeod, for getting over the Montreal flu, as his teammates were calling it on Saturday. And jumping right back in there, one goal, one assist, plus two. And a couple of takeaways. And, you know, he just a uh, very positive overall influence on this game so yeah i uh he's now got um eight goals and 18 points in 39 mm -hmm. games wasn't long ago where he had very few points so yeah, not at all after 20 some games wow he's really come alive no, no goals pardon me no goals at all and he had like three <laughs> i think after 20 games he had no goals and three assists or something yeah and now he he's is, up to eight eight and ten eh yeah he has really come alive um, interesting choice to put him on a checking line, leading mm -hmm. the checking line. And I thought he had actually been playing really well with Dreisaitl. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I hadn't seen anything from Kane that indicated it and the need for a promotion other than some subtle griping from him. Um, <laughs> very subtle. <laughs> very subtle. Um, yeah, I wrote a post on how Kane's number of hits had been going down, down, down mm -hmm. recently, but he came up with some hellacious hits. Five tonight, hits clobbering Matthews. So, you know, Kane had an up and down game, but there was some up there and there was certainly the physical play. I didn't, I was a little confused with the line matching earlier on in the game. I thought if you put together a checking line with McLeod and Ryan and Janmark, which is a very good checking line, all of these players are strong defensive mm -hmm. players yeah. with Ryan and, and Janmark, exceptional defensive players. I thought you should play them against the top, one of the top two lines on the Leafs, but he didn't do that so much early on. Might have seen it a little bit more later, but um, that confused me in the coach's approach. Um, 
it was really interesting though that when the game was on the line that crucial face off late in the game he had McLeod out there with McDavid and Drysaddle you know he was really counting on him uh in that moment and uh McLeod came through good for Ryan McLeod he has shut up the uh, <laughs> people that were questioning him including me certainly Ryan Rashog uh lots of people questioning him a lot um, mm-hmm. about a lack of physical play. He does seem to be digging in deeper, but it's mm-hmm. funny how when people start scoring goals, they also look like they're digging in deeper. So um, maybe it's more just a matter of patience mm-hmm. with the puck, as you suggest, and um, um, getting his confidence in terms of making offensive plays. I think that's actually the bigger factor, that this looks like a player who has decided to, you know, do the Paul, that Paul Coffey thing and make plays with the puck. So maybe that's translating not only to the defenseman, but the forwards. Bruce, my uh, good thing is I'll I'll go with Stuart Skinner. <clears throat> I gave him the highest grade this game. Yeah. I thought he stole the win for the Oilers. Mm-hmm. Uh, not because the grade A, the grade A shots were 14 to 13, according to us, for um, um, Toronto. But when it came to the subset of five alarm shots, the absolutely most dangerous shots, it was um, 10 to 6 for Toronto. That's a substantial number of really dangerous shots. And uh, mm-hmm. one of them went off the post early in the game. So Skinner didn't stop that one. But did he ever make some fantastic saves, Bruce? Um, late in the first period, um, Matthew McDavid gave away the puck. And Matthews set up Holmberg, Pontus Holmberg. Um, I, I thought for a second, is Pontus Aberg on that team? No, no. Um, so, but it was Pontus Holmberg. And that guy he, had a good game. He hammered that shot on net, and Skinner made a spectacular glove save. Um, early in the second period. Oh, that one, after, yeah, yeah, yeah. At, early in the second period, um, after a weird mix-up at the blue line between Drysaddle and Kane, and Nurse somehow was caught up the ice on the play as well. There's a Nylander goes in on a breakaway and Skinner just got his shoulder, I think on it and it hit winged up and hit the crossbar off Nylander's fantastic shot. A little bit after that calf goes in on a breakaway and um, charges the net. And then there's a scrum where there's another unbelievable shot and Skinner keeps both of them out. Um, A moment later, Matthews moves into the slot, hammers a wicked shot and, Another save. So he was Locker just save. Yeah. At that point, um, <clears throat> you know, the Oilers got down one nothing, then two nothing, but Skinner kept them close enough. You know, it wasn't three nothing. It wasn't four right. nothing, which it easily could have been with that mm-hmm. amount of uh, fire power hitting the Oilers net. So Stuart Skinner was uh, outstanding in this game, and uh, he's my first good thing. Well, I'll, but my addendum uh, coda to your good thing is that Skinner got up two times when he absolutely got leveled in the crease, and I was having visions of Dwayne Rollison dancing in my head, and it was not a happy memory. And he was down and stayed down twice, and he really got hammered. And uh, thankfully, uh, he bent but didn't break. The second time, he made two saves in a row, and then the the puck kind of went underneath him and he kind of had to stick his glove down almost into his belly to keep it off the goal line. And, and there was just this huge scramble and somehow that one didn't go in. He, he had to 
he had to stand not so much tall, but very strong on that goal line stand because Toronto basically were trying to power puck him and everything into the net. And uh, they wound up uh, being unsuccessful because uh, Stu wound up uh, um, sawing off the the power battle and 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 uh, somehow managing to seal off the uh, the goal line. But I, I was genuinely worried that he was hurt on two different occasions. He was really slow getting back up, and you could, I mean he wasn't milking it. He got hammered on both of those plays. So that was great, but he he uh, had another wonderful game. First goal, no chance. Second goal was such a weird play. It was a shot from the point. It hits one guy in the skate, bounces, hits Holmberg, I was going to say Aberg, on the skate, just bounces straight sideways to Matthews, and then he kind of whiffs the pass that he's attempting or whatever play he's making, and it goes straight to a third Toronto guy, and he just sticks it in the net. It was just... Tough on the goalie uh, to, to keep tracking that puck because it went, you know, sort of east-west twice in a row. And the shooting angle changed, and then the third guy was able to punch it in the short side. But he uh, he made a number of uh, stellar stops, and uh, he's been the real good to Bruce, what's your second good thing? Yeah, I'm going to single out uh, Cody Cece tonight. I thought he had a fine game against his old club. And uh, he was, um, uh, you know, played played plenty of time against the top opposition as he usually does. Uh, but he had a pr- pretty good, uh, 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 pretty good line and some unusually unusual numbers for him. Well, system plus one is a good place to start. He played 23 minutes 58 seconds tonight, the most on the orders. Cody Cece including almost all of it at even strength, a little bit on the penalty kill. And uh, they just kept throwing him and Nurse uh, over the boards and over the boards. He blocked five shots in this game. And he made uh, contributions by our our methods uh, to both of Edmonton's key goals in the third period, the tying goal. First of all, he made a really good shot block in his own end that enabled the McLeod breakout. Uh, but later, when the centering pass came out from uh, uh, McLeod to Ryan, Cece popped into the slot and slapped his stick on the ice. And the Toronto forward, I think it was Matthew Nice, he had a choice to take either Cece or Ryan. He took Cece, McLeod picked Ryan, and and Ryan picked the corner, you know, so it uh, worked out well. But CC being in there as an extra man, sort of flooding the slot on that play, worked out well for uh, for Edmonton. I just thought overall he had a strong game. And, you know, looking at the natural stat trick results of this game, uh, that pairing had, for all the minutes they played, they had the better of the shot share right across the board, uh, most notably in high-danger chances, uh, which... Tonight we had a rare disagreement with Natural Stat Trick on those, but it happens because they're counting different stuff. They had him on for 11 high-danger chances for the Oilers and just three for Toronto. And so, I mean, that's fantastic for any player. Uh, But for a defensive defenseman, I mean, obviously he wasn't involved in all 11 of those, but the fact is the puck was at the right end of the ice when all those things happened. And I just thought he had a standout game. And... 
he he most often just kind of disappears into the woodwork and does his thing. But in, in tonight's game, I thought he was excellent. So I am going to give him the rare shout out as being one of Oilers' best players. Yeah, he mostly gets shouted at. There's a lot of people yeah, oh. who would like to see Cody Cece. We have to upgrade Cece. I read that about 50 <clears throat> times a day. We got to upgrade Cece. I think like the Toronto Maple Leafs <laughs> might love to have a player like Cody Cece. He's he's playing solid hockey this year. He's about as good as he was that first season in Edmonton. Took a step back last year when he was hurt. It's funny how often players take a step back mainly because they're hurt, and that's unrecognized or not acknowledged enough. But uh, this year he looks healthy again, and he's playing solid hockey, Bruce. And he certainly was solid tonight. I, th- I gave him a seven for having a good, good game. Yeah, he did Bruce, have a good game. Um, my my second good thing is Connor McDavid. I just thought. His effort tonight was exemplary. Um, He seemed more ready for the game than most of his teammates. The Oilers got off to a weak start. He got the Oilers' first shot, a grade A shot on a wraparound attempt. And then a moment later, uh, Ekholm made a very nice pass, sending him in, and he went in on a break-in and almost scored. A couple more break-ins, one in the second, one in the third, that that were very dangerous. And then on the winning goal, that he just, that was a an example. It was kind of Crosby-like, I thought, in its determination. You know, winning, just a, a winning, uh, sprawling board battle that he won. <laughs> and then he went to the net and the total eclipse of the sun screen on the goal by Connor McDavid. And... Um, he just gutted out that goal and, and willed it into the net. And uh, I thought he really came to play to beat the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he succeeded. Yeah, well, it was CeCe with the outside shot there, and McDavid tipped it just about crossbar level. When I saw the behind-the-net replay, I thought they're going to challenge that for a high stick because it missed the net, but uh, that was when uh, McLeod picked it up and then circled in front. But the live action view from the front, it looked like his stick was just right there at crossbar level. Like CC shot was basically just under the crossbar. And uh, so he got a piece of it. He did get a point on that play. It's the only point of the night. But that screen was sublime. And what I loved about it was, uh, well, first of all, that battle in the corner when he got taken down pretty hard and the crowd was booing and he got up and while he was up, he just sort of casually gave a left hand punch to uh, <laughs> uh, Morgan Riley, I think was the guy who took him down there. And he just sort of gave him a shot and the game carried on. The refs weren't going to call anything at that point. Nothing yeah. was going to get called. And um, so <laughs> if you're going to get brawled out in the trenches, you might as well get a few shots in of your own, right? Uh, so, but what I loved about the... The screen was the recognition as McLeod circled out in front. And McDavid, he was he was a little further out from the goal line. And when he realized what McLeod might be doing, he just did this sort of half rotation in towards the goal line, right into Jones' line of sight, and opened up the shooting lane to the, for the shot into the top corner. Because if McLeod had hit that spot and McDavid hadn't moved, it would have just hit him. But he opened up both screen to goalie and left McLeod a target to hit. And it's just one of those super awareness type things, I think, on that play. Other than that, he's awfully lucky, McDavid, because things seem to work out in his 
in his favor a lot. But that uh, uh, he doesn't do a whole lot of screening, but he does. Uh, you know, usually he's the guy with the puck, right? And we're uh, certainly involved in its movement. Yeah. But in this play, it was McLeod that sort of had it for what three, four seconds, and before he finished the play, and uh, McDavid got to where he could do the most good and did it. Great play from the NHL's once and future Hart Trophy winner. All right, Bruce, um, what's your bad thing? Well, it's going to be the start of the game again. We've been here before and talked about this. I was really worried about this. and I was worried if Edmonton would get in this game because Toronto came in with three highly disappointing losses in a row in just the last four days. And my thinking was they're going to be absolutely loaded for bear right from puck drop Toronto. And Oilers better be loaded for bull, you know, or whatever. They they better be ready because it's going to be coming at them. And they weren't ready for the very first shift in Toronto, just uh, uh, brought it on hard. Uh, I think Bouchard maybe made a couple of not really great plays. First of all, a turnover in the neutral zone and then a sort of ineffective uh, sortie into the corner. And then he just didn't simply didn't pick up Austin Matthews rotating in the slot and wound up covering nobody while Matthews put it in the net. And it wasn't just him. There was a few mistakes made on that play. Uh, and then on the second play, Toronto, Edmonton turned it over inside the Toronto blue line and Toronto came out four on two. It could have been five on two, but the fifth guy went for a line change. It was a four on two. And this time they messed up and put themselves offside at the blue line. And then on the third play, there was another massive defensive breakdown. And who was it? Wound up alone right in front. Was it Domi? And uh, Bertuzzi? Bertuzzi, yeah. I got those guys mixed up because they both came kind of at the same time. Yeah, it was Bertuzzi. Yeah. And he, and he uh, <clears throat> uh, bounced a shot off the post and almost, the rebound was almost a tap-in for him. I think Janmark was the guy who... who uh, helped deprive him of that second chance, but uh, he'd gotten burned on the original one. Uh, and uh, here we are, like, not two minutes into the first period and thinking, well, a goal, a four-on-two, a post from, like, right directly in front. This, <laughs> it's not a matter of this is going to get ugly. This is already ugly. And I said to my wife, I wonder if a coach has ever called his time out before he even got all four of his lines on the ice. <laughs> this was three shifts into the game. And, you know, in a slightly different universe, it could be three nothing by then. And But they, uh, McDavid, I think he had his best moments in this game, maybe in the middle part of the first period to sort of drag Edmonton back into the fight. It was one nothing, one nothing, stayed one nothing. And Edmonton actually owned the last part of the first period. Uh, but those first couple of minutes were, uh, and it was so predictable that Toronto was going to come out hard, hard, hard after what happened to them in prior games. And you've seen games where one team just needs the win more than the other team, and they get it because of that. And it sure started off that way. And thankfully, Edmonton had enough um, staying power and enough good goaltending and. And uh, the wherewithal to pull off yet another comeback win their fourth in a row. Wow. Yeah. yeah. First goal against in all four games. 
and they only scored in those games, uh, what is it, uh, 11 goals, but they scored enough to win all four of them. Bruce, my bad thing, my bad thing, Bruce, is the, it was a pretty weak game. Other than CeCe, I didn't think the defense had a good game. Um, Deharnay made a bad play early on, leading to that rush, one of the rush chances. Bouchard kicked off and ended the sequence of pain on the first goal against. Ekholm, he had a number of plays where he just failed to shut it down. He, he had a weak clearance when Camp went in on the breakaway. Camp picked it off. Bouchard had already made a bad pinch, and Ekholm's turnover then led to Camp's breakaway and that other goal mouth chance. Darnell Nurse with a, you know, his kind of up ice play on the big rush. Um, um, chance we were talking about earlier. Um, it was, and then he had a couple turnovers in the second period, Darnell. There's kind of almost lazy, weird turnovers. <clears throat> Nurse's, Nurse was up ice on the Nylander uh, break-in. Then these couple turnovers, um, Bouchard and Neckholm, all of these guys, they were just not sharp. And it felt, five like, giveaways. felt like the defensive core, defensive play we saw earlier this year when the Oilers were giving mm-hmm. up a lot of rush chances. And um, the, I thought the forwards were doing a pretty good job in this one. But mm-hmm. no, the defensemen did not have their best game. It was their worst game in some time. But the Oilers survived it because of the play of Stuart Skinner. Yeah, well, yeah, he was uh, he was huge for sure. Yeah, uh, I you know. I, you're right about DeHarney getting burned early in the game. Other than that one specific play, I thought he was good. Vince, I thought he was very reliable with the puck, making good decisions with it and uh, making decent breakout passes. Nothing fancy, but you don't want, want or expect fancy. You just want consistent. Uh, it's funny, like high danger chances. Again, this is natural stat trick. They had CC at 11-3, to three, Nurse at 12-3. to three. They had uh, Kulak at five to two, five to two, and DeHarney at five to two, and then Bouchard was three to five, and Ekholm two to five. So it was a very rare game that that Ekholm Bouchard pairing had the toughest time defensively, and it was not the most creative offensively, even as Bouchard did wind up with two points, you know. But he he's one of those guys that he gets points, you know. Well, we had Nurse making one, let me just see this. We had Nurse making not one major contribution to a grade A shot for, and four major mistakes on grade A shots against. Now, they they don't bear down on the individual player, and they also include missed shots. It's on ice. It's on ice. Yeah, it's on on ice numbers, and they include Mm -hmm. missed shots, like shots that don't even hit the net, and it's their high danger chances. We only, it's got to hit the net. So I think sometimes their numbers are not Oh, they're not going to. They're not going to bounce with ours for sure. Yeah. So anyway. I I didn't see Nurse and Cece being that as dominant. I thought I thought Cece had a good game, but Nurse did not. And um, so, Bruce, uh, your number. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go with the weird minus two of Ryan Nugent Hopkins tonight. Uh, he was on the ice. He was beat. One of those beaten on the sidewall on the on the first goal. The second goal, he just happened to be out there. I don't think there was anything he did wrong in particular. But what I'm singling it out is not to hammer on Nurse, 
but to point out that the coach was doing lots of stuff during this game, doing lots of experimenting, because Nuge's line mate, Connor McDavid, wound up plus one. And he was at minus two at the same time Nuge was earlier in the game. But on the third, sorry, the first Edmonton goal, the third goal of the game, it was uh, McDavid was on the ice with Dreisaitl and Kane. And then on the uh, game-winning goal, McDavid was on the ice with McLeod and Dreisaitl. And, of course, McLeod scored. And then on the empty net goal, McDavid was on the ice with Dreisaitl and Hyman. So coach kept spotting him out there like the odd time, and I don't think they played a ton of time together, uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl, but they were on the ice together for three Edmonton goals. Mind you, one was an empty netter, but uh, it was... uh, uh, Coach was just trying to do a few different things and give Toronto a few different looks, especially when the Oilers were behind in the game. And it worked because they kept scoring with these sort of different combinations. And I'm just looking up how much did McDavid play with Dreisaitl at five on five, during which they clicked for two points. And it was two minutes and 27 seconds, but two Not old much. goals. Yeah. Two old goals for the Oilers in those two and a half minutes. And it just was different combinations each time with a third different winger. And uh, it was uh, just uh, some tinkering, in-game live tinkering by the coach. And I mean, notably, McLeod, who scored the winning goal, being put up with McDavid and Drysdale, which is a combination I don't recall ever seeing before. I thought he was using up all his centers on one shift there. Like, who is he going to put up there next? Of course, mm-hmm. he's got Ryan, Ryan. Nugent Hopkins and, um, Ryan and, and Ryan, Hamlin yeah. <laughs> that he can put out. But, um, yeah, it was interesting. And I guess, like, I like consistency. If the lines are going good, just use them. But, um, you know, it, it, how do you keep it going? How do you keep things um, interesting and a little bit chaotic for the other team? You can't be too predictable if you're going to keep winning either, I suppose. So um, he mixed it up and it worked. Um, first, my number is two. And... Um, we mentioned uh, McDavid's total eclipse of the sun screen on Martin Jones on the winning goal. So I was, I was wondering how often does that happen? So I went back and I checked our numbers because we record this kind of thing in the last three years, Bruce, this is only McDavid has only made that play two other times once last year and once in 2021. Wow. So uh, it's a rare and you don't want him screening. Like it's not his natural thing because he he's trying to get open to get the pass to right. get the puck. It's it's um, not really his job to go screen the goalie, but he made a hell of a good decision tonight. That was an excellent play, and um, you know we won't see it again probably this year. But I, I certainly relished it this evening. Yeah, he doesn't get many deflections either. You know, generally no, he when doesn't. he's going for the net, it's because he's got the puck or he's getting open for a pass as opposed to getting in the, the line of fire for an outside shot or, you know, which is a screen or a deflection, basically. Uh, you know, his his game is centered more on him having the puck 
but tonight he made that huge contribution while one of his temporary line mates stuck in the net. Moving on to our conundrum, Bruce. Hmm. And that is the owners have games coming up against Seattle on Thursday night and Calgary on uh, Saturday night. Who should they play in net? Should they yeah. should they stick with Stu Ginner, Stu 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 Winner, uh, Stu Winner for uh, the next yeah. two games, Stuart Winner, or should they go uh, with Calvin Pickard for one of those games? If you are the coach, Bruce, what would be your call? Uh, this this week, I think I would go with Skinner Skinner. Oh. Yeah, he played tonight, and he, and he did take, you know, unless he wakes up and he's sore tomorrow because he got hammered, uh, you know, in which case that obviously will have an impact on the... And I like Pickard. I'm I'm looking at these as being huge individual games, right? Edmonton's got 49 points. Seattle and Calgary got 47 each. Now, Edmonton's got games in hand on both. But these are games you dearly love to win both of those games. And... Uh, I'm thinking the week that follows, they have a you know a, a game or two against uh, lighter teams, and that's where they've usually been spotting in, like whoever they're playing next Tuesday. That would be Pickard's game to me, but uh, just because of the nature of where Seattle just came out of a nine-game winning streak, they lost now yesterday and today. Calgary has bounced back with a four-game winning streak. They came from two goals down in the third tonight to beat Arizona in overtime. And so both of those teams you'd like to see in the rear view. And one way to try and accomplish that is with your best. So I'll interest you with, I, I'm not sure there's any one right answer. I'm just saying that would be my temptation as the coach would be to use Skinner for the, you know, the t- top teams that you play. And it just so happens this week, they got three in a row, but never back to back. If there was back to back, that would change it, but it isn't. So. So I would go with Pickard against Seattle and Skinner against Calgary. Mm-hmm. I think um, we saw last year in the playoffs that Stuart, Stuart Skinner can get worn down. Any goalie can get worn down. This is a tough league. They were at a long road trip. As you say, he got beat up a little tonight. And and you made that a proviso. If he's beat up, mm-hmm. then, you yeah. know, if he's hurting, then you'd go with Pickard. Yes. I'm just assuming he's hurting a bit. And um I just like the idea of having a set rotation a little, you know, some predictability mm-hmm. for all the players. And I think they've been going with Pickard. I think it would be kind of within the regular rotation to go with Pickard in this next game. And I think it's a good idea. Right. He's got the same percentage almost as, as Stuart Skinner. Yeah. Skinner's been better lately than uh, Pickard, but Pickard's been hanging. He hasn't had a bad game, Pickard in some time he's he's been playing well so the others have got to listen they have um 49 points in 40 games well um nashville has 49 points but in 44 games calgary and seattle have 47 points but in 44 games uh i just think this isn't you don't keep your your pedal to the metal the whole season You've got to get it in the rhythm and you have to make decisions that are going to keep players healthy and into the team, into the game. So when you factor in all of those things, I, I would go with Calvin Pickard against Seattle and Stuart Skinner against Calgary. Did I convince you? 
<laughs> uh, I'm going to let uh, Coach Chris Knobloch convince me. He's the guy that's got the keys uh, to the team, and uh, he'll choose which route to take. But, uh, uh, I, I mean, I like Pickard. Uh, uh, of the two, I think Seattle would be the one. I mean, at Calgary on Hockey Day in Canada, you want to come with your best. And with uh, on Thursday against Seattle, my temptation is also to come come with my best. And these days, that is Stu, the unflappable uh, Stu Skinner. And I heard there was some conversation about him on uh, one of the podcasts. I think the uh, uh, Got Your Back with uh, Rashog and Strudwick and Van Brown. That's an excellent uh, discussion that they have. And they were talking about uh, um, the the uh, type of goaltender the Oilers needed, and they didn't name the guy, but I I landed on like they were saying, well the Oilers are you know usually carrying the play, and sometimes they'll get a few shots, and the other team's goalie's hot, and Skinner's sitting back there in net thinking, well I might not see a shot for a while. When I do, it might be a dangerous one. I better stop it because the other guy's stopping everything, and. I was thinking Ken Dryden. Ken Dryden, his team used to always carry the play, but his job was to hold them in games where they didn't get to a good start or hold them, you know, make that one big stop when the other team finally was able to break through Montreal's invincible defense and get a decent shot on goal, and they finally break through, and there would be Ken bloody Dryden waiting to waiting for him. And he's got a little bit of that vibe to him, so... When you have a team that dominates play, that's what you need. You need a, a, a cool character that that uh, will be ready to f- face down the challenge when, when it inevitably comes, because even the greatest of teams makes mistakes. But the orders are carrying play significantly in game after game. Tonight, I think it was 75-53 in uh, shot attempts. And so, you know, they had... Uh, they had the puck, uh, uh, yeah, 75-53 in shot attempts. And, you know, they had, uh, so 59% of the goals or shot attempts orders had tonight, 66% of the high danger chances. And yet Skinner had to be really good for orders not to let this game get away on him. And he was really good and they were able to, real Leafs back in it was because their goalie held them in the game. Yeah, the Ken Dryden comparison is an interesting one. They're both great big guys. That was less common in Dryden's day. Um, there's, a lot for, of them now. there's a lot of them. Most of them are great big guys, but there there is some similarities. And um, Dryden wrote, a, if you've never read the game, it is the best book on hockey that's ever been written, I believe. And Dryden in that book writes about playing on a dominant team. And the need he felt for just like even like early in the game, if there was a puck clear in his own, just to play it perfectly, to keep his team in the rhythm, to have everyone mm-hmm. um, comfortable, not not worried about their goalie, um, just just everything's running like clockwork, and that's how that great team functioned. That really went out the window, especially with Jack Campbell. And I think it was a big reason why the Oilers were so wonky. I just think it's so discombobulating when the goalies aren't making even routine saves. And Skinner was part of that trouble as well. 
he is making uh he is playing a Dryden like game right now. He will now be back in contention, you know, for a team can't like if he keeps playing like this all year and he can come up big in the playoffs, like he's gonna be right in there to be a team Canada goalie, Stuart Skinner. So <clears throat> keeps playing, playing like really this. playing really, really well. And I agree, like I'm not actually trying to persuade anyone about who should play because the the fact of the matter is the coach has knowledge of the player's physical condition, the mood of the team, the psyche of the players, all these things mm-hmm. that we have limited knowledge about. And he, he will make an informed choice, which we can't do. We just don't have all the information. And I think sometimes it's like fans, anyone commenting on the game doesn't lacks information, but you got to be aware of what you don't know. And there seems to be a a limited knowledge of people being aware of what they don't know when they're commenting on the orders. And I'm sure I do it all the time as well, but uh, to be aware of that is important. And and again, you know, the issue that you raised about if Skinner doesn't play, for instance, some people will be grumbling about that, but maybe he just got absolutely bruised up, banged up and is desperate for for a day off and they're not going to admit that they're not going to talk right. about it because that's information oh, that he'll can be help the, the backup. opposition he'll be the backup but the idea yeah. would be he'll be the backup for the entire game yeah, break exactly. glass in a case of emergency otherwise yeah he just gets to yeah. rest his body so that could be the biggest the only factor could be that and it, and it but it, it's could be absolutely critical and then pickard will be a net not Stuart skinner so anyway um point made Final thoughts? Oh, I got a final numbers. Uh, Evander Kane, who's been in the spotlight, you wrote about him yesterday, uh, and he got moved up to the second line, and he had a very kind of bizarre game. But here are some numbers from Evander Kane. Six shots on net, eight shot attempts, both leading the team, five hits to lead the team tied with Connor McDavid, and five giveaways to lead the team. And... That's kind of Evander Kane in a nutshell there. Big numbers right across the board, and they're not necessarily always good ones. But uh, I thought he was very involved in this game. His ability to handle the puck in his own end gives me the willies. Uh, His inability to handle the puck. His defensive play gives me the willies, honestly. (laughs) Like, he is not a great defensive. He's a mediocre defensive player. Yes, so I'm always worried when he's out there against top competition. He almost scored. He drove, he drove around the defenseman harder than that, and he just couldn't quite pull the puck back in. He got right past. Yeah, Jones, great play. But he couldn't quite pull it back in. But I thought he looked more of his upside. You're always going to have to, you know, bite some bullets with that guy, but you want to see positive plays uh, to counterbalance that. And uh, I, I saw some positive things in Kane's game tonight and uh he's been playing hurt sometime oh absolutely and, and um it'll be great if he can get healthy and we'll see a better evander kane should we leave it there bruce uh i think we might as well david all righty thanks for talking well, tonight bruce 11 in a row that's the other number thanks for 11 listening in a row. yeah 11 in a row wow yeah And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.